County Sheriff's Office is seeking information on a cold case double homicide. It's been 19 years since Brandon Rumbaugh and his girlfriend Lisa Guerreri left Scottsdale for a camping trip and never returned. Their bodies were found shot to death, laying in the bed of their 2000 white Ford F-150, parked in a parking lot off Bumblebee Road, just off I-17. Is there anything from other cases about murdered couples sleeping outside that were solved and could be used to crack a case that's gone 19 years? Certainly it's not detective work. It's not canvassing the area or interviewing witnesses. It's about the story. And for me here in the second part of the Stargazers, it's about writing the fiction with some of the facts to play with. It's something to do because obviously traditional methods do not work here. It's too big a mystery. Or is it something small and there's just one piece missing? Often cases that go unsolved for years have that aha moment after the fact, after genetic DNA comes into the picture. I recall that being the case with the Golden State Killer. After he was caught, I figured it was so clear the killer had to be a cop at some point because he was so demanding with the victims. The way he used a flashlight told me he had the training. If you believe like me that the couple here was killed by one person and that person is likely still alive, then you either listen to part one or you need to. Therein lies the setup, what was necessary to get to where I want to take you today, which is to show you how I think it all played out. So now you'll get the fiction from my author mind. And after 19 years, I think it's worth the attempt. I don't know everything, but what I think you'll find is interesting. And if you or investigators close to the story are looking at any possibility, then I think you're about to find one. In part one, I said the killer projected like the video camera that is missing to this day. I also said that I think the killer verbalized something before he drove out to Sunset Point. He didn't verbalize it in a crazy way like Joseph Burgess had, but in a sweet way is my thinking. Joseph Burgess was fanatical in his beliefs. His preaching to others was not loving nor enlightening, probably bordered on scary, but since it was in the time of the hippies, post the late 1960s, I do believe others didn't think of it too much back then. If Burgess had something to say, it usually was off the mark, a bit harsh and unnerving. He was public with his shaming. The killer in the Stargazer story talks about purity and he speaks of it in the purest way. People who hear him bring up the subject only feel more enlightened because of it. There's nothing unnerving about it. He speaks to others not in a wide open space, but more one-on-one -on -one and in passing. People who had the opportunity to hear his thoughts always come away like they were meant to hear it. He focused on the girl not because of her, but because of the type of girl she was. You see, she was the one who got away. She was just like the one who he had wanted to marry, yet she chose to marry somebody else. And by the time he was in his mid-30s, he was alone, and purity was one of the reasons for it, or at least an excuse for why he couldn't find someone. 
Something that bothered him was that he wasn't that pure to begin with. And by the time he reached his 30s, he became upset that his new beliefs didn't match up with anyone too well. He was about 35 when he killed the couple, not because of knowing her directly, but because of the type of girl she was and what she stood for in his eyes. And when she disappointed him, he decided to take action. And this was the point in which he felt the most disenfranchised. You know about the photos I had mentioned, the compact fluorescent light, a mystery that's haunted investigators. What I will say is that it's a distraction, so don't think about it for what it seems. There's more here to what meets with the camera eye. I said that the photo of the source of light was taken by the camera that captures light through the aperture, which is another source of light. I said that was interesting. Now in the writing, I'll use it for something. Did the girl not shine bright? Would anyone who knew her disagree that she was a ball of energy or a ball of light? I think that would be true. I think people in her circle would say that about her. Did she need anyone else to make her that way? Or was she just like that because of who she was? Seems to me she was the type of person who could light up a room. In the story of the stargazers, I use it for a symbol. She is and was self-illuminating just like the compact fluorescent light and the stars in the sky that were there to see everything that happened that night. A CFL works because of a reaction. Argon and mercury through a glass tube. Stars in the sky shine because of a reaction too, a hydrogen reaction for the most part. Only because of a reaction do these things work. They are self-illuminating. Take for instance an incandescent light bulb that requires a wire to produce heat in order for it to light. I do believe there might be pictures of the girl singing, captivating a room somewhere, and maybe in a garage or someplace called a garage with CFLs overhead. So the killer is in this world, but he's on the fringe, outside looking in. Just like the killing happened on the fringe of Maricopa County, inside of Yavapai County, the killer was on the fringe of her world. She probably only knew him in passing, and maybe he was referred to by something else. I don't think he would have ever talked to her directly about purity, the sanctity of marriage, but maybe others in a church setting or function. Again, only in the kindest, sweetest way. The killer was outside of her circle, possibly a co-worker at the company which provides energy to light up homes. But I'd write it about the church she had attended, where she displayed her best self. She was a singer, and there's mention of a church band in past articles. That's where I'd focus in on my book. I'd put the killer in there, and I'd segment off his territory. I'd do this because unlike Sean Gallen or Joseph Burgess, the killer here traveled outside of his territory to where the killings took place. He was on the fringe of her circle, outside looking in, and he was on the fringe of the killing, inside of Yavapai County and not in Maricopa, where everyone had lived, including himself. That means something in my fiction, but I think it means something because of another case I'll soon talk about. Is it fiction or is it fact? Does life imitate art or is it the other way around? To get a good picture of the type of killer I would sketch, I give you this clip from a movie around the same time of the killings. It's an extreme version of my killer, but I think it's worth hearing to consider the outcome. I've been doing POS mini lab work for over 20 years now. I consider it an important job. 
When people's houses are on fire, what's the first thing they save after their pets and their loved ones are safe? Family photos. Some people think that this is a job for a clerk. They actually believe that any idiot that attends a two-day seminar can master the art of making beautiful prints in less than an hour. But of course, like most things, there's far more to it than meets the eye. That was Cy the Photo Guy from One Hour Photo. Like I said, he's the extreme version of my killer. Since we're talking fiction, I bring it up to flesh it out. In the movie, he has a territory within a large retail store. That is the photo section, where he develops photos for customers. Therefore, he's segmented within another territory. He develops a connection with a customer, a lady who wants all of her family photos developed. It's a one-way connection because she refers to him as Cy the Photo Guy. He's very nice, somewhat charming, but incredibly delusional. Eventually, he disagrees with something he sees in their photos and thus does something that Gallen and Burgess did not do, which is to come out of his territory, follow a victim, and attack them someplace else. Cy the photo guy interjected himself into other people's lives because of one person with whom he had a one-way connection, the wife in the story, and he interjected in the most heinous fashion. Therefore, I believe the killer and the stargazers interjected because of the girl, his extreme beliefs, and ultimately his disgust at being passed over by someone just like her when he was younger. She captivated the room. She was the symbol of what he was missing out on and longed for. Even when he talked so beautifully about purity, it was laced with bitterness. His heart was not pure, but he thought hers was, and I do believe he verbalized it in some way. In the real story about Lisa and Brandon, there's an old news report about an argument at an apartment complex where the couple lived, with a man in his 40s, tall and grayish. This brief blurb says that the boyfriend was in an argument a day before the killing, and I think it's possible that this was with the killer. The killer ventures out of his segment within a territory and begins to step more into the world of the girl and the couple. Just like Cy the photo guy when he broke in and rummaged around the couple's house when they weren't home. The killer went to the apartment complex to have a man-to-man with the boyfriend for whom he blamed a few things. One for being the good-looking guy he was always passed over for and two for being someone destroying her purity. And ultimately being livid, she chose this guy over someone like him who could have done things the right way, despite the fact that he was a killer. Joseph Burgess knew his Bible, but somehow didn't get the commandment not to kill. The killer here talked about purity, but somehow missed the passage about murder in the heart. The reason I think no one put two and two together is that the killer and the boyfriend didn't know one another. And only the girl might have recognized him if she'd seen him. Otherwise, it would not even register. But I think he went over there when he knew that she wouldn't be there, and he gave the guy the business for a minute or two. Sort of a warning without revealing the what for or the who. Like a dust devil that kicks up out of nowhere to blind you. This person went from friendly to fire in a heartbeat. But if that in fact is true, how did the killer know that? It's reported the girl borrowed the F-150 and told her relative not to tell her mother where she was going. It's possible if she did this, then she might have told others within her circle the truth. 
maybe a week or two before the trip out to Sunset Point. If it was an anniversary and she was excited, maybe others knew. Maybe the killer did as well because he's somewhat like Sai, seeing and knowing things the victim is clueless about. By the time Sai reveals his nature at the end, he's been to their house and has inserted himself into the victim's world without their knowing. And this is why I think a fun trip turned out to be devastating. The F-150 has symbolism in the story. It's what she borrowed, it's where the bodies were left, and it's what the killer chose not to take over the video camera. It's the best-selling vehicle of all time, yet it was passed over for an item you can get anywhere for a few hundred bucks. I think it's quite ironic that Cy the photo guy was someone who developed photos. The processing and all that goes into the final product. The killer here took the video camera. And what does that say about him? It says he projects as well. A camera captures light through the aperture. It is a source of light like a CFL. A video camera does the same, but it projects images back to a screen. There is something in that world called f-stop, and that is the radius of the aperture for a setting of a particular shot. It's simply eerie that the setting where one can be farthest away, but still keep their subject in focus, is f-stop 1.50 or F-150. Think about that one for a minute. The killer in the Stargazers works in the video department of a church. He has a place which is segmented from another territory. He sometimes videotapes the performances, working with others. She is the subject he focuses on from far away, the F-Stop 150. She is self-illuminating and the one that got away and time is passing him by. Purity is his saving grace, but in a perverted way. Others refer to him as the video guy. Think about Psy. Does art imitate life or what? He talks about purity in passing and is on the fringe of her circle because people in church tend to hang out with others their own age. Others know him as someone who is highly devoted, possibly having gone on a mission. In the story I write, he does just that during the time of the killings, Rather, he makes people believe he's out of the country on a mission. He comes out of his segment, which is the video room, inside of the bigger territory, which is the church. He ventures out into a new territory where his subject lives to learn more about her and why she is doing what she is doing. But he wants to feel it too. Like Sai, he's walking around the room. He's fixated on her purity and rationalizes that this is always what happens Someone less pure comes into the picture to ruin everything. That's the boyfriend. On the night of the murders, he drives out of his territory to go where the couple will be by themselves because he knows what they're clueless about. In the dark, alone, it's the perfect place to do what he has planned. The compact fluorescent light and the stars in the sky self-illuminate through a reaction, but so does the car the killer drives, a black Prius. The Prius powers through a reaction of hydrogen like the stars. It approaches the dirt, barely making a noise, blending into the dark. The white truck isn't too far now. The landscape is fuzzy, but the F-150 is at the right F-stop. He pulls over into some brush, 
puts on a pair of worn-out shoes and tucks the 25 cal behind his belt. He approaches the truck and shoots the boyfriend first, uttering something to the girl as if it's her fault. To him, it isn't as bad as he thought. It's 10 years in the making from the first time he was passed up. Because they are in sleeping bags, for some reason, he feels his sin is covered up. Is it fiction or is it fact? Does art imitate life or life imitate art? If Gowan and Burgess didn't come out of a territory that they were at least familiar with, that their victims had entered, then why do I say the killer came out of a segmented territory to attack his victims in another place he was not familiar with? We see that happen in one-hour photo, but what about in real life? Well, in August of 2021, that did happen in real life. A killer who verbalized something, who projected and followed a couple into a new territory, killed them with gunshots. From an odd gun, just like a Marlin rifle back at Jenner Beach. But this one, for cops, was a bit harder to pinpoint. Nearly nine months later, the scene of a grisly crime is marked by an unnerving call. The family has been just devastated. But those who have followed the murders of Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner remain restless. There's still a lot of questions that we have for the sheriff's department. L.D. Green wants more answers after the Grand County Sheriff named a dead man as a suspect. When did they find out about the confession? When did they find out about the suicide? When did they get possession of the car? Green says Adam Pinkushiewicz, Turner's co-worker, was reported to deputies in the early days of the investigation. This was a horrible hate crime. He was very vocal about his homophobic opinions. Vocal indeed. A female couple was murdered in the LaSalle Mountains, in a rather remote campground on the fringe of Moab, Utah, where they had lived, and where their killer Adam Pinkashwitz had followed them from. Adam was about 40 years old when he killed the couple. He'd worked at a McDonald's in Moab with one of the victims, Yet others who worked there barely knew anything about him. So in a way, he was on the fringe of a social work circle. At one point, he verbalized his disagreement with another lesbian couple being seen together. But he never said anything to the girl whom he worked with and eventually shot to death with her partner. He waited it out. He followed them into a new territory, just outside of Moab on the fringe and put multiple bullets in their bodies. Likely while they had been asleep. They'd been camping. So Adam, who later took his own life, was very similar to the kind of killer in the Stargazers. I say the killer was older than Burgess and Gallon at the time of their killings, closer to the age of Adam. My guess is that in 2003, the killer was about 35. So today, if still alive, that would make him 55 years old. Was there a person who worked in a segmented territory of a church who had her in his F-stop? Did someone talk sweetly about purity but never to the victim for which he was outside of her circle? Did someone go on a mission during the same time? Did the girl ever sing at a church that started as a garage? Adam drove a Toyota Yaris. It's not an electric car, but it was black. The killer in my fiction drives a black Prius. Because like the compact fluorescent light and the stars in the sky and the way the killer lives his life, it's all due to a reaction that just won't stop. On October 18, 2003, a young couple lost their lives. And what could have been a great weekend turned into a tragedy. The stars saw everything that night, and they're still there. This is Chip Mahoney. Thank you for listening. Good night.